Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Lady Preacher podcast. I am Pastor Kelsey Beebe, and I am grateful to be here with you today. We're going to start by reading Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. So I invite you to prepare yourself to read scripture, whatever that means for you. Relax your shoulders a little bit, soften your jaw, maybe take a deep breath and hear these words. Then Jesus began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again, Jesus said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Here ends our reading. If you would please pray with me. Good and gracious God. We ask that you be with us as we hear these words from Jesus today. May they call us convict us, challenge us, and encourage us. I pray, O oh God, for every person who hears these words. May they be comforted by your grace and by your love and called by your conviction. Open our ears, open our minds, and fill our well this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you might know that one of the things that we're about here is untangling theology, theology that has been harmful or perhaps not life-giving. And so today we're going to do some of that. We're going to untangle some atonement theology. So if you're not familiar with atonement theology, it's essentially this idea that Jesus died or atoned for our sins and that his primary mission on earth was this, was to die. He was sent to earth to die and rise again. That's where we get a lot of death imagery in our songs. We talk about his blood saved us and things like that. That's largely where this atonement theology comes to life. And this passage from Mark in particular that we read, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 37, is really the foundation for atonement theology because Jesus says that he must die. He must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And then after three days, rise again. 
And so atonement theology takes this and says, this was Jesus's purpose. That he was on earth to die. But I wonder if that's true. Did Jesus come to die? Was that his primary mission? Or did he come instead to show us how to live? Did he come to bring true life? Jesus tells us throughout scripture why he is here. Yes, he does have these passages about what will happen, that he will be rejected and undergo suffering and be killed. But he also says many more times and shows us through his actions why he is here. He even says very specifically, this is in Luke chapter four, verse 18. Jesus stands up in the synagogue and says, quoting from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus says this at the very beginning, the outset of his ministry, setting the tone, saying, this is why I am here, to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is why I'm here. He says in other places, he's here to call people to repent. He's here to preach this good news, which I believe that verse from Luke chapter four is, it is good news. And in doing all of this, and in following this ministry, Jesus upsets a lot of people. And he upsets a lot of people because he is, he's turning things upside down. He is rocking the boat. He's disrupting the status quo. And those who want to maintain the status quo are the ones who antagonize him. They are the ones who are whispering and saying things like, who does this guy think he is? And why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? Where does his authority come from? Who is this guy? How dare he do these things? Jesus is upsetting people because he's disrupting the way things have always been. He is on a divine mission, this path set by God to welcome the outcast and reconcile those who have sinned, to heal the sick, right? He's, he's going out there and welcoming people and drawing people in and calling them beloved who have not been called beloved. And what he's doing is he is not letting anything stand in his way. There's a, a stigma that comes with associating with outcasts, with sinners, with the tax collectors. There's a, a stigma that comes with that. And Jesus is not letting that stand in his way. Tradition says not to heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus is not letting that stand in the way. There is nothing that will stand in his way of alleviating suffering in the world. That is his mission. And in doing this and in following this mission and his ministry, Jesus is making folks angry. Because when you upset the status quo, you upset those who try to hold that status quo in place. And we know this is true throughout history. We've seen this all the time, right? There's Susan B. Anthony, 
right? How was she treated? Or Nelson Mandela and how was he treated? Or abolitionists, what did people say about them? Or civil rights activists. This has happened time and time again. The people who are saying there are folks suffering and it can be better. We need to change things for the better. What did people say about them? People got angry. Things were going just fine. Why did you have to go and change things? They're upset because of the shifting of the status quo, because of the shifting of power, the shifting of dynamics. Change is hard. It's hard for all of us, but Jesus calls us to be a part of changing things for the better, not about the kingdom of heaven, but about the kingdom of heaven here and now, the kingdom of God of this world. And when you try to do that work, people get angry. And so when Jesus says in this passage from Mark chapter eight, that he must die, that he will suffer rejection and die on the cross, it is because he knows that what he is doing will lead to that. It's already happening. He knows the whispers. He hears the whispers that people of what people are saying about him. He knows that he's already ruffled plenty of feathers. He knows that following this call on his life will lead to the cross. It is the consequence of his ministry, not his ministry itself. And it's important to remember that when the disciples hear this, that that his mission and his ministry will lead to the cross, their vision of the cross is not the same as ours. A lot of us have crosses hanging in churches. I wear a cross necklace every day. We have these crosses hanging in our homes. It has become a hopeful symbol, a symbol of redemption, of God's goodness and God's grace. But for Jesus's followers, when they hear this, their image of the cross is a symbol of Roman capital punishment. That's what it symbolizes for them. And so when Jesus says that this will lead to the cross, that doesn't feel good to them. This is not a hopeful thing for them. It's part of why Peter reacts the way that he does. We can have compassion for Peter because that's not where we want things to lead. But for Jesus, he's saying to his disciples, there's a risk in this work. It is Jesus's faithfulness to his mission of healing the sick and setting the oppressed free that will inevitably lead to his death. This is the consequence of following Christ. This is the consequence of his call. He must die because his commitment to justice, to ending suffering for others will not falter. He's not going to to dial down, so to speak, his ministry just to make other people comfortable, especially people in power. He's not going to dial down his ministry because he wants to save his own life or ease his own suffering. He is not willing to compromise. He's not willing to let anything stand in the way. And he knows that doing so will lead to the cross. That is the natural consequence of his work in the world. So it's not that God sent him to die, but God sent him to live and do this work. And there would be a consequence to that. And Jesus is willing to take that risk. We can understand knowing now how the disciples would understand this 
image of the cross, why they got so uncomfortable at hearing these words, at hearing Jesus tell his disciples that this is the consequence, this is the risk. We can understand why it upsets them, why it makes them uncomfortable. We can understand why when Jesus speaks so clearly about this, as the scripture says, that Peter pulls Jesus aside, like, bro, let me talk to you about this for a moment. Like, let's think about this. There's got to be another way. Like, why, why do you got to do this? Like, that doesn't have to be what happens. And Jesus rebukes him. And we have to understand the context too, is the disciples have been arguing about fame. And essentially, who gets to sit in the front seat as Jesus is driving the car? When we get to heaven, who gets to sit at the right hand? They're they're focused on human things. That's why Jesus says to Peter, you have your mindset on human things, not on divine things. Because what they're worried about is their own fame. They're worried about what others might think of them. Just think about this for a moment. Jesus is maybe a year or so into his ministry and he's starting to to grow his crowds. There are all these people following him and maybe these disciples are feeling good, like, you know, popularity or celebrity by association, that they're his right-hand men. And so they get some of this fame too. And so maybe they're getting a little cocky and their idea too of who the Messiah is, is this vision of the, the one who's going to come and help overthrow the empire of Rome, to overthrow by force. And so when Jesus says, gives them a little bit of a reality check and say, this isn't about fame. This isn't about human things. This isn't about what other people say about you or think about you. It's about following the gospel, bringing the good news to people, setting the oppressed free, doing this work to relieve suffering in the world. And Jesus is really clear about this. I want to avoid the anti-Semitism that sometimes gets weaved into this. He's bringing people back. He's here, he says, to fulfill the law, to help us have a better understanding of the fullness of Jewish law. So that care for neighbor, love of creation and love of God is at the center, that it is paramount, that there are these things that get in the way of it that are human things. And we want to focus on divine things, on bringing the kingdom of God here and now and relieving suffering. And so when Jesus gives his disciples a reality check that we're not here for fame and glory, I'm not here to pick up a sword. I'm here to pick up a cross. And are you willing to pick up your cross? Are you willing to risk discomfort? Are you willing to risk your proximity to power? Are you willing to risk popularity? Are you willing to risk ridicule and rejection and even death? Because that's where this path is leading us. Are you willing to risk these things in order to do what is good, in order to do what is right, in order to bring good news, in order to relieve suffering in the world? What are you willing to lose? And also, what will you gain? What are you willing to risk and what are you willing to lose? And what will you gain? What you gain will not be fame or glory, but something different. The feeling you get in your heart when you do what's right, that knowing you are part of this community, this kingdom of God, 
You gain your life, Jesus says, when you are willing to lose it. When I was writing this, I was thinking about the movie, Remember the Titans. There's this all white football team and all black football team, and they're coming together as schools desegregate. And what did they risk? What did the coaches risk? What did the players risk? And because I'm a white person, I think about those who were in proximity to power. What were they risking? What did the white coach risk? He risked his career. He risked Hall of Fame. He risked his place in the community, but also the white captain. What did he risk? But then also think about the black coach and his family played by Denzel Washington. What did he risk? He risked his life. He risked his safety and his family's safety. There's a scene where a brick is thrown through their window. There is a huge risk that they took to be a part of this work in the world. Or maybe a different example would be the men who stood beside the women fighting for the right to vote. What did people say about them? What did people call them? What were the whispers said about them? Or the popular kid who goes and sits with someone who's sitting alone at lunch. This person who may have been rejected by everybody else. What were the whispers said about that popular kid who went to sit with someone? What did they risk? What were they willing to lose? And what did they gain? Because what we gain in these moments is so much greater. What we are risking in these moments are human things. Fame, glory, popularity, people's opinions of us. These are the things we risk. And what we gain is so much deeper than that. So much wider than that. That is what is the divine piece of this. The thing that connects us to this wider community. You gain your life in these moments. And so my question for us is, what are these things for us? What is our call? What is God's call in our lives right now? What is our cross to bear? What are we risking our popularity for? What are we risking other people's opinions of us for? What are we willing to lose? And what will we gain in those moments? And my friend, here is some good news. As we risk all of these things, Christ is with us. We have this whole community behind us. We do not go alone. Christ is there doing this work. We will gain so much when we are willing to risk losing. And the other piece of good news is that Jesus isn't letting anyone else get in his way. Whether you and I are willing to take risks and follow him or not, whether Peter gets behind him or not, it doesn't matter because Jesus is on a mission. Nothing is getting in God's way here. Nothing is getting in God's way of goodness and grace and redemption. Nothing is getting in God's way of bringing good news to the poor and setting the oppressed free. Nothing is getting in Jesus's way of relieving the suffering of the world. We are invited to take part in that. 
but my faith or lack thereof, my willingness or lack thereof will not stand in God's way. And I think that's good news because there are some days I am not willing. There are some days I don't get it right. And for those days, I receive God's grace, but I also receive God's call and God's challenge to try again and do better. But I thank God. I thank God that nothing is getting in the way of Christ's mission in the world of bringing new life and hope and redemption and grace, relieving the suffering of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.